Welcome to Faith on Fire, the broadcast that encourages believers to ignite the power of faith in their lives. Join us now as Pastor Vince Haney and Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. bring the Word of God to fuel your faith. edition of Faith on Fire. I am Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. from the Community Church of God. And I am Pastor Vince Heaney from Rhema Word of Faith, a.k.a. The Word Ministry. And before we get started, Richard, I'd like to pray, if that's okay. So, Father God, we just thank you for this here time to minister to these here, your sheep. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would take over this time, think through our minds, speak through our vocal cords, none of us and all of you. And Father, we just Pray that the hearts of your people are good ground for the sowing of the seed of your word. Father, allow, again, revelation knowledge to flow freely, uninterrupted, and unhindered by any satanic or demonic forces. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray and give thanks. And the church say it. Amen. Amen. You know, yesterday I teased a story about uh, something that happened a few years ago at our church, and I just wanted to tell it. It, it shows faith in action. I'm sitting at the church, and all of a sudden I hear the door open, and I looked out, and here's this guy. He's got the suitcase, a little brown suitcase, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I wonder what's going on here. So I go up to him, and I said to him, you know, can I help you? And he said, I'm here for a Quaker convention, but I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Well, he's speaking Spanish, and I know a little bit of Spanish, and I don't understand everything that he's saying, but... I understand part of what he's saying, and, and I get enough to know he's at a, he's looking for Quakers. Well, I don't know anything about that. Plus, I don't really understand every word he's saying. So I called a Hispanic pastor I know here in town, and while he was waiting to come over, I asked this guy if he was hungry. He said yes, so I gave him some food that we had in our food closet. And anyway, as, as this guy came over to talk to him, turns out what happened was he's in Mexico City. He hears about this Quaker convention in Chico, and he gets on a plane in Mexico City. He has $50 in his wallet. He doesn't know exactly where the convention is. He doesn't have a phone number. He doesn't have any way to contact anybody. He just knows that it's in Chico, and he wants to come to it. He gets on the plane. He gets off the plane in Sacramento. He runs into this couple who says to him, oh, we'll take you to Chico for $50. They dumped him off in Orville. He walked from Orville to Chico. Wow. And once he got to Chico, he <clears throat> walks to our door. Now, we are not directly on off the freeway or anything else. He had to walk out of his way. He comes to the door. I find all of this out. Now I'm thinking, Quakers. Who do I know that's a Quaker? Well, Jim, who was at the Christian bookstore in Chico. This has been enough years ago. Jim was still alive. I knew that he either was a Quaker or knew some Quakers. So I called him up. I said, do you know anything about this? He said, no, but I know a guy that might. So he called a guy who called a guy. And finally, we find out that they're at Craig Hall having this convention. We take him over there. And then they wrap their arms around him. It's like, wow, he's here. They, they all they were so happy. And he was so happy. And it was just so great to to see him meet them. And, and I got to talking to him. 
He said, I knew God would get me there. He said, I didn't know how. I didn't know where it was. I didn't. And he said, when I walked up to your church's door, I knew this is the place that will get me to where I need to go. And I'm listening to this, and it still to this day brings goosebumps to me. About two months later, I get a letter from him from Mexico City thanking me for helping us find his way, thanking him for the food that I had given him. He said, that was the best food I ever had. He said, I hadn't eaten for like 24 hours. Wow. And I, I still tell this story, and I tell people, you know, that guy either had more faith than anybody I ever met, or he was crazier than anybody I ever met. You know what? And actually, it was the faith part, because he believed that God would get him to that convention here in Chico, and guess what? God did. And not only that, as you tell the story, I, I see how he acted on what he believed. He started the journey. Right. He he believed God would get him here, right. so he's he going to go. But he had to do his part by starting to put feet to what he believed and, and take off. Now, where'd you say he was from? Mexico City. So he had to... He didn't speak very much English. But he, but he took off from Mexico City and he made it to his destination. And that's a inspirational lesson for all of us, you know, concerning our faith. God just wants us to step out. We don't know what tomorrow looks like, but God does. And that's why he's, the scripture tells us in Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Well, see, this is why we have to walk by faith and not yeah, by yeah. sight. Because if you're counseling this guy in Mexico City and he's saying, I'm going to go to Chico, California. I don't know where I'm going. I don't have a phone number. I don't have an address. And I only have $50. What would our counsel be to him? Uh, you probably shouldn't go because you don't have enough money, well, number one. And number two, you don't know where you're going. I'm pretty sure the other disciples that were in the boat with uh, Peter when Jesus was walking on the water and told Peter when the word of God, which is Jesus, spoke to Peter and commanded him to come out of the boat and walk. What do you think the other cats in the boat were saying? Peter, yeah, that's, that, a, bad that's a ghost already. <laughs> that's a bad idea. Uh, you, we're being tricked. That's probably not Jesus. Don't do it. But Peter got a rhema word. And he stamped out on it, not knowing what it was going to look like. He stamped out. And a lot of people like to focus on the fact that he began to sink. Well, I understand you don't ever begin to sink. If you step out on water, you sink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, he actually was on the top right, of the water right, right. for a while. Was, but when he, when he took his eyes off Jesus, the author and the finisher of his faith, scriptures say he looked at the circumstances. He looked at the wind. Holy he, smokes, I can't walk on water. Right. So, so <laughs> he started operating by sight and that's when he began to sink but if he'd have kept his eyes fixed on jesus on the finish of faith he'd have probably walked all the way to jesus but here's some more good news jesus still lift out his hand to him peter didn't drown well see and he I, lifted always say, him up. I always say this is probably the shortest most heartfelt prayer in the entire bible lord help me right he doesn't start <laughs> off with a big bunch of flowery words right. and flowery praise he just gets right to the meat of it well, lord help me well well god God honors faith, and he, uh, he he sees your faith, and he sees when you step out like the gentleman from Mexico City. God, he sees and knows all, and he sees when you just start off in faith. He said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, nothing shall be impossible for you. I think that's Matthew seventeen twenty. Well, that's what the young man from Mexico City, he had, all we need, God says, give me something to work with. Give me a little bit of the size of a mustard seed, I can work with you. And I would say that he had a lot. <laughs> well, well, he could have had the mustard seed. God said, that's all I need is a mustard seed. Well, Jesus said that about the centurion when 
the centurion came to Jesus and told him his servant was at home sick with a palsy. And, and then the servant, uh, the centurion soldier said, uh, Jesus, uh, I'm not worthy that you come to my house, but I'm also a, a man of authority. I have soldiers under me, and I can say to this one, do that one, and that one, do that. He said, so I understand authority. He said, so I'm going to just believe that you just speak a word, and my servant will be made whole. And Jesus marveled and said, wow, I ain't seen such great faith or belief in me in all of well, Judea, Samaria, wherever he, he, they were at. But Jesus uh, accredited his statement as great faith. His statement. When right. he said, don't come to my house. I'm not worthy. Just speak a word only. So God honors faith. God honors. See, and this centurion soldier had that much trust and confidence that Jesus can just speak a word see, and, and, and it'll it be goes, done. It goes back to this. We live by faith and not by sight, just like mm-hmm. this gentleman from Mexico City. Sight would have said, this is this is not a very good idea. You don't have enough money to begin with. You don't know where you're going to be. So this is not a good idea. Sight would say, don't go, don't leave your house. Faith said, God will get you there. And just to clarify sight, logic. Right. Logic would say, man. It was not logical for him to leave Mexico City and come to Chico. Right, right. So, so that's why we walk by trusting in God and not by logic or our natural senses. You know, God wants us to step out knowing that he's going to he's going to be there for us. Just like again with Peter, Peter stepped out of the boat of doubt and unbelief and he he walked on water. But see, this is how the devil keeps us in bondage because he's convinced us that we should only believe in what we can see. Yeah. I can I can feel this desk. I can see this desk. I can touch this desk. I can hear, I can taste all those senses, and the devil has convinced us that those things are real. And anything that you can't see, taste, touch, or hold is not real. And he has blinded us, our sight, he has blinded us to what God has for us. And it is so imperative, it breaks my heart, that Christians are just so limited by what their natural senses tell them when they should be living by faith. To believe God when he says something more than what they see with their own eyes. Amen. And here's a revelation. When, when the scripture says we walk by faith, not by sight, and Jesus told us to have faith in God. So here's where we see things that as Christians, because we got the Holy Spirit living inside of us, he reveals things to us from God. So when we're reading God's word, those promises, faith sees something in those promises. Faith sees the victory. Faith sees the promise. So that's what he says. We walk by faith. We walk by seeing what seems to be the unseen. And and I always tell people, revelation out of the scriptures is not in the black or the white. It's in between the black and the white. So when you're reading the scriptures, scriptures say he's given us exceeding great and precious promises. So as you're reading the promises of God, now you get a vision. See what he's saying and make that your vision. So I know they said, I'll believe it when I see it. And, and sometimes, and I got a revelation of, of seeing is believing. I know in the world we say, you know, in faith circles, we say, well, seeing ain't believing. We walk by faith, not by sight. I'm saying seeing is believing when you can see it in the word of God and then believe it. So Peter, again, he saw the word Jesus walking and the word spoke to him, Jesus, and told him to come. 
and Peter obeyed the word. He saw something. Obviously, he saw something the other guys didn't see because they stayed on the boat. Peter saw something yeah, Peter that they gets, didn't see. Peter gets a bum rap because he sunk. He, he sinks be, below the waves, and I say, man, the rest of them never even got out of the boat. Right, 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 right. As far as I know, nobody else has ever walked so, on water right, So Peter walked by faith because he saw something. And again, when we're studying the scriptures, God will show you. I was thanking God this morning that he always shows me things in his word. And it's called, the Bible refers to it as revelation or understanding. As you're spending time with God in his word, he'll reveal the deep things. That's called an intimate relationship. When you're intimate with somebody, you get to know them a little more better. I always tell my wife mother this. My wife mother usually comes to our church services. And I always use this example. I, I say, you know, Annette, mom-in-law Annette, you've known your daughter long before I have. Actually, you birthed her. I say, you've known her longer than me, but I bet you I know her better than you. And, of course, you're like, well, no, you don't. Cause I, I, no, you know why I know your daughter better? First, she's my wife, and we have an intimate relationship. Yes, you've known her 20 years prior to I'm knowing her, but I know her better than you know her. Why? Because we have an intimate relationship. So when you develop that intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, through, with God through the Holy Spirit, he starts to reveal to you the deep things. It says over in Corinthians, we not receive the spirit of the world, but we receive the spirit which is from God. And that spirit searches the deep things of God. And God reveals things to us through his spirit, through that Holy Spirit. So he'll show you things in his word that will give you a vision of your future or, or the victory. And a lot of people aren't getting this teaching, so they don't really have the revelation of that. But you can see, you can believe what you see out of the word. Well, you know, John, in the scriptures, we're looking here in John 14. He says that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. So the Holy Spirit knows everything. The Holy Spirit knew before this guy left Mexico City that everything was going to work out. The Holy Spirit knew that these people were going to dump him off in Orville. The Holy Spirit knew that he was going to get to Chico. The Holy Spirit knew that he was going to get to our church. The Holy Spirit knew that we were then going to help him get to the place he needed to be. Before he ever left, the Holy Spirit knew these things. So the Holy Spirit calls him to come. He calls him to leave his home to come. And he, forgetting what his sight, his logic might have said, said, I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to go. This is where, when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit will teach us all things, this is part of it where I think we sometimes forget. Because the Holy Spirit knows everything. And so when the Holy Spirit <laughs> reveals to you to do something... We should listen and live by faith. We should do what it is. We can have trust that God, that the Holy Spirit will lead us in the right direction. This is where we have a chance. Once again, we talk about this a lot. We're going to live by faith and not by sight because our logic will say, don't go, don't do it. It doesn't make sense. The Holy Spirit is saying, go. I am in control. I am in charge. I know exactly what's going to happen. I know exactly what you should do. Follow me and it will be fine. Now we have a choice. Am I going to listen to my logic? Am I going to listen to my sight? Or am I going to live by faith? Am I going to follow the Holy Spirit? Well, in one part of that walking by faith, which I equate that with walking by the word of God, walking in the spirit, is to believe what God said about the Holy Spirit. 
you've got to believe what the Scripture says about the Holy Spirit. He says he's your teacher. He's going to tutor you. He's, gonna, he's the spirit of truth. He's going to lead and guide you into all truth. He's your comforter. He's your helper. Well, if you believe the word of God, you got to believe that too. And you got to rely on the Holy Spirit as your partner. I, I do all the time because I'm getting a greater revelation of the purpose of the Holy Spirit. I'm always asking, speaking to the Spirit. A lot of people probably think I'm talking to myself, but I ain't. I'm talking to the greater one that lives inside of me. He lives inside of me. Remember, Christ in you. The hope of glory. And he as says, he says here in John 14, the Holy Spirit will come to you, not only come to you, but will live in you. How long? Forever. Forever. So I can always fellowship or have or develop this intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. It is not a a, a, a thing. It, it, he's a person. So, But he comes to live in you. So if I develop that relationship with him, then I'm going to have wisdom concerning Things that somebody else may not have wisdom on. And here's the thing about that. When you got a revelation from God, other people might think you're foolish or crazy. Like the gentleman that left Mexico well, we City. Would have, we would have said, that's crazy. Yeah, well, because well, he had a revelation. So a lot of us, with me, I, I you know, I, I like the endeavor to keep the unity. But I have to be careful around a lot of pastors in our city or just in general because just because you have pastor or whatever fivefold ministry name in front of your name, that don't mean you're operating by faith. <laughs> I know a lot of pastors, and which I'm reminded of in Numbers chapter 13, there was 12 pastors that went out, 12 leaders that went out, that Moses sent out to spy out the land. Well, 10 of them came back not preaching faith. They said, we can't do it. We can't do we it. We can't do it. But you know what? Same I thing today. Same thing today. I always loved this because they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. But God didn't say you have to do it. God said, I'm going to give it to you. Again, trust me that I'll get you there. But they came back and preached to the congregation. Guess what they preached to the congregation? We can't do it. And really, and, and we've talked about this before, what they were really saying wasn't so much about themselves as what they said were saying about God. What they were saying about no. God was, God said he'll give us this, but we don't really believe that well, he can. Well, they, be, they belittle God. And, and we do he that today. Do we do that today. We think... Well, God, God can't do that. You know, he's old and see now, right about now. What he's a, he's a million years old now. No, with God, all things are possible. And, and God challenged us a couple times in his word. He said, is there anything too hard for me or too hard for God? And we have to just trust and believe that and, and have that confidence that God is going to get us through. I'm going through something in my life right now. But my conversation is is. God is my deliverer. Because the scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say what? Say what God said. I always cause you to triumph. You're more than a conqueror. I always give you the victory. You got to, faith speaks. And it speaks positively. <laughs> it doesn't say, oh, we, we can't do it, guys. Uh, just wrap this thing up. Let's call it a day. Faith says, let's go. Faith takes off. Faith is an action word. Remember, faith without works is dead. So you can first have those works by your speech and then just move forward. And God honors faith. The centurion man, again, he just said something. He says, just speak a word only. And Jesus said, wow, this cat got great faith. That's all he said. Just speak the word. See, and all the devil has to do is convince us that you can't do it. That's all he, he doesn't have to convince us that God doesn't exist. He doesn't but, have to convince us any of that. All he has to do is convince us but see, that, you know, that probably won't work. But Richard, when you understand that he's the father of lies, do you actually, in the natural, do you sit there and believe a liar? 
The scripture, if you study in the scripture, he says he's the father of lies. He's the author of them. He invented lies. This is what is so sad, though, because so many Christian people, and I'm talking about Christian people, so many Christian people, some, for some reason, choose to believe those lies. If, if they had a person in their life who was always telling them lies, they would never believe anything. But the devil can convince people that you can't do it. It can't be done. Well, oh, it, there's no hope. There's... Who you who you think was convincing the, the, the ten spies to come back and tell the congregation that? That we can't right. go and but, possess but the land. But what I'm saying is that nothing's changed today. We still right. have nothing's got changed. to believe God and you not got, the devil. Well, the devil doesn't have any new tactics. He's still the author of lies. And he still will tell you what you, he'll try to convince you that you don't have what God says you have. He'll try to convince you that you can't do what God says you can't do. He'll try to convince you that you aren't who God says you are. And again, every Sunday in our congregation, we do the old Joel Osteen. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says I can do. You have to make those declarations. Again, that's in line with the word. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When you make those declarations, hell trembles because they know that you're an, an informed Christian. You're not. Scripture says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Well, you better increase in the knowledge of God if you want to defeat the, the devil. And that's what Jesus did in the wilderness. When he was led in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, Jesus didn't pick up a two by four and say, come on, Satan. He kept on hitting him with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He kept on saying, it is written. And he didn't say, hold on, let me go get my Bible real quick, devil. I'll be right back. <laughs> the word was in his heart, and it was in his mouth. And that was the word of faith, which he kept on speaking. It is written. man should, And he summed it up with, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. And the scripture says, then the, the angels came and ministered to him. Yeah, Jesus was wore out after that battle, but he kept on using the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That's what we fight against. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. We have to increase in the knowledge of God. We have to know what his word says, and that's what you fight with. We don't fight against people. We love people. Our devil is, I mean our devil, our adversary is the devil. And he only bows down to the word of God. See, that's why it's so important for us to know what the word is. And not just pastors, but every believer needs to know what well, the word is. Well, the pastor's says. job is to teach the saints. But, but I mean, <laughs> you can't, an hour a week isn't enough. No. Uh, every believer's got to study on their own. Every believer's got to read on their own. You have to know what the Bible says. You have to know what God says before the devil attacks, before things <laughs> right, happen. Right, 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 you right. You can't right. wait until it happens. And, and you can equate this to the military. The military, I was just thinking about that. The I talked about that last night. Draft somebody in or let somebody enlist, volunteer, and then say, All right, here we're going to go to the battlefield. And then when you get to the battlefield, say, Oh, we better do some quick training here and figure out. No, they train you. They send you first, to boot camp first. And then you go to the battle. Well, Christians want to join the battle sometimes without knowing what God's word is, without. Well, I say they're unarmed because they don't know what God's word says. This is why every pastor probably that everybody listening to has ever heard said, read your Bible, study your Bible, know the word. It's because if we are really going to have an influence in the world, we have got to know what God's word says. Amen. And you know what, Richard? The Holy Spirit is thick in here and he's deep because 
I let I started my midweek Bible study off with just what you were saying. I used the example of being enlisted in the military. Uh, the first thing they do after you sign up, they send you to boot camp, and they send you to boot camp to train you to be a soldier. Well, the same thing. We're in the army of the Lord, and we have an adversary, the devil. But God, God solved that issue too. He says in Ephesians four eleven, He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists. Some pastors and teachers. We refer to it as, as the fivefold ministry. Then the next verse, verse 12, he tells you why. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Now, work of ministry, a lot of people think that takes place inside of a, a church building. No, the work of ministry happens Monday through Saturday. <laughs> it happens every day. But if you don't have a pastor or a leader in your life that's building you up, for battle and encouraging you to study to show yourself approved and, and challenging you to study your Bible because that's what you're going to need because Jesus said man should not live by bread alone, then you're you're going to be defeated by the enemy. You're not going to be equipped. If you never find, if if you never get an understanding of you have spiritual armor and weaponry and how to use it, then you're just going like, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. God says, he says, finally put on the whole armor of God. Well, you got to find out what that armor is and and how to use it. When you go into boot camp, they pretty much teach everybody. I think everybody go have some degree of infantry training. You're going to learn how to break that rifle down, and Bob, you're going to know something about weapons because you're in the army now. <laughs> you're in the military, and you're in there for a purpose. To and defend. you no longer belong to you. You belong to the unit. Christ says, you belong to me now. Right. You're a part of the... You've See, been bought with a Christians price. Christians don't understand that. They think they still belong to themselves. No, you've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. You're in the army of the Lord now. And the Lord means owner. He's your owner. You have to have that well, mindset. We like to think of him as our Savior. We don't necessarily like to think of him as our Lord. Well, he's your Lord and Savior. And you have to submit to what the Lord says. Now, a lot of Christians don't want to submit to what the Lord says, and then they're defeated. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he would what? Lift you up or exalt you in in due season. The the scripture says submit to God. Submit means I'm going to come up under your authority. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Well, how do I resist the devil? By using the word of God. Yeah. How do I submit to God? Humbling myself under what he said and not trying to, lean to my own understanding. So I think we're about to wrap it up and, you know, we can go on and on and on and on. And I just thank God for just downloading, downloading. And uh, I think this is going to do it for this segment of Faith on Fire. Join us again next week where we have some more faith that's going to ignite yours on fire. And remember, uh, this broadcast is a blessing to you. Uh, Once you consider financially supporting it, you can send those tax-deductible donations the Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927. And remember, keep walking by faith. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, we ask that you consider sending a love offering to Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927, which allows this broadcast to continue in your local area. Again, that's Faith on Fire. P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927. Please join us next time on this great station for more Faith on Fire.